Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Church is Now Online Podcast. Church has been online podcast. The church will always be online podcast. Whatever <laughs> we think about the church in the future, this is yes. what we're calling it. I am your host, Dan Jacobson. The uh, illustrious Scott Irwin oh, is with us, as well as the um, beautiful Kristen Jacobson. Hey everybody. Oh, I'm glad weird. I got illustrious. Yeah, that would have been weird if he called you beautiful. <laughs> I have no words to say. Uh, I, there were three things that went through my mind, and I filtered them, so that's good. None, yeah, none of them made the cut. Zoom, yeah. Zoom cut them all out. You guys, it's um, it's a new week. We uh, we we skipped an episode. Did you guys know that? We yeah, skipped I'm... a Tuesday regular Tuesday I drop. Did. Right. did it feel okay to you? It felt okay to me. Yeah, I was enjoying I mean, my Memorial Day. I don't know if everybody knows that. Church staff people get the Tuesday after the Monday off, so that Don't may... tell everyone they're yes. going to want to become <laughs> That's pastors. The best kept secret of church right. life. That is, uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but now that I have, I, it's out there. So I let's just ex- go with it. I had to explain that to somebody on Tuesday. I swung by my parents. Was it your it, wife? No, yeah, no. I swung by my parents' business, and there was an employee there. He's like, "Don't you work?" <laughs> I said, well, nobody works anymore. No and one yeah, works. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bethany had the longest day she's had in like three months on Tuesday because she had to go to school and individually pack up all of the students' items for pickup and then organize her classroom for the for the fall. Have oh you guys gone goodness. and picked up Elon's stuff? Did Thank you like for that thing? reminder. I yes. have to go tomorrow. Kristen, or, do we do that? Yeah, I we do know. that. Don't the worry, school Dan. doesn't email me. And I, I keep asking them to, so I never get to see what is actually going on. I'm just at the mercy of my six-year-old to tell me these things. Oh, she yeah. never does. So Kristen's really? on it. No, Kristen's on it. You're but not I'm at just the saying, mercy if I want to know, you know, yes. and, and she's not around. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Bethany's right behind you, Scott, and I see you're waving yes. her off, and she doesn't know if she's welcome. That on was air awesome. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. But can you give she her the she's, microphone she's really quickly? Yeah, we doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah we yeah. are. She's you super are. confused because I have literally been texting her the past two minutes. Yes. So she's oh, like, really? surely, surely they're not recording. <laughs> yeah, surely Hold they're on. more professional give, than that. Give her, give oh, yes. her the microphone. Come here, come here, babe. Come here. Tell her she's gonna be put in the hot seat for a yes. second. We're recording. I feel you're like gonna be on the hot seat for a second. We need to tell Bethany this is this is a live recording. I, I, we could go back and edit it, but Scott was just telling us that um, you had one of the longest days uh, of of your life as a teacher the other day. Uh, can you share with us just briefly? I don't know if everybody remembers episode one of this yeah. podcast was an interview with uh, Bethany Irwin. The OG. Round it out for us. Round That's it out. It. How was, how, you know, come full circle on this whole thing. How was the, the last day? What was it like to like individually wrap up your kids stuff? Was it sad? Was it freeing? how do you feel? Yeah, it was sad. I mean, I never got to say bye to them and mm. it took a long time and there was lots of nasty stuff in there <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. So, both sad and gross. Yes. But I will say, I think it's worse for the teachers of older grades because my students didn't even know what they were missing, but like the fourth graders, they're going on to fifth grade and never got to say bye to anyone at the school. So bummer for them. Yeah. Man. Man. I just want to know what's in a kindergartner's desk. That's literally, I've never thought about that before. Lots of little tiny pieces of paper that have been torn up and shoved way back. Nice. (laughs) Crayon wrappers. I imagine. They're like building a nest. 
<laughs> totally. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Oh, that's awesome. Will it feel like summer for you, Bethany? Like, does it already feel like a bit of a rest? Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I kind of feel like summer has come and gone, and I'm ready for next year to start. Like, oh no, I'm ready to start my school. <laughs> the yeah, classroom and yeah. Have you heard much about what the fall could be? Give us an inside scoop from a teacher's perspective. The only thing I know is that um, the governor is going to make a statement in July, I think. And so they're not making any any comments until then. Mm -hmm. okay. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> if you were the governor, what would you do? Let's speculate wildly about what yes. you may do. <laughs> Let's what make sure do? that Facebook and Twitter, you know, have to censor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my prediction. Misinformation. Is that I think they should do some sort of blended, like hybrid learning. Like if we can't go back full time, I think there should be some in-person, some e-learning to happen. Yeah. So maybe a few, like every other day or I mean, in, just in the mornings. You, you got to teach your kindergartners how to use an iPad to even do e-learning. So that's yeah, like, that's oh, true. That's such a true point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Well, point. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of creative thinking around it, but you don't have to do that thinking, do you? You get to just enjoy summer. She's yep, on summer break. I am. Love and life. Hallelujah. I'm happy right. about it. <laughs> it's good to see you, Bethany. Sorry about interrupting. No, it's good. good. This, this is going to be our highest Here. rated podcast ever. Oh, yes. good. <laughs> yeah, <it's pretty> cool. <laughs> yeah. Scott always tells our guests that this is a very high production event. And this is a high production podcast. And so we like to come through and prove it whenever we can. Uh, Scott, I, I know you, um, I'm going to set you up for this. this is a weird transition, but I know you had a pretty fun weekend. Um, you, uh, you did something that might terrify some people had they been through what you've oh. been through. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I got back, uh, literally on the bike on Monday. If you didn't know, if you saw me, uh, last October, I was in a, a cast for a little bit because I broke myself mountain biking and, uh, Sean, I don't even know if Sean listens to this. <laughs> but he was there when I broke my elbow on the no trail. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there. Sean Horton? Uh, I, I, Peeler. Shane. Sean, oh, oh Shane, Shane. Shane Peeler. Peeler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Shane. It was Shane Peeler. And uh, yeah, he was literally there when I, uh, when I went headfirst into a jump and broke my, broke my elbow. Yeah. But it finally stopped raining long enough. We, I went mountain biking for the first time on, on Monday out in Laporte. Did you revisit the course? So it wasn't the same course. I, I still need to go back there and spit on the jump that I, <laughs> I fell on. But uh, it, was a, it was an easier course, I would say, in Laporte. Yeah. And I, I would, I'd be lying if I, wasn't, if, I, if I said I wasn't nervous. <laughs> but yeah. I was. I was. But I didn't. I didn't fall. Didn't break an elbow. I don't see any casts. You seem no. all right. Bethany went with me. She... Uh, Scratched up her leg real good, but that was the uh, that was the, the biggest casualty we had on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Super Moral fun. of the story. Get back on that horse. No, don't mountain bike. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth just, it. Just Not give it, it up. Yeah. I thought it was get back on the horse, but no. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's a better moral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, over the weekend, we uh, saw some pretty sad news. And I want to, I think we... We owe it to, I think, ourselves, to our church, to uh, different members of our community to at least talk about uh, the video that came out with uh, George uh, Floyd. Did you guys hear about 
all that what happened in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, I I got it in in drips. I I hadn't heard the full story really until today, uh, and kind of all what went down. I'm sure I still have holes in in the story. I got to be honest with you guys. I saw the story, and my initial reaction was not again. Like, right. and and I honestly I was like I can't I can't believe that this is possible again because my first thought was that guy was it new york a couple years ago so it was eric garner in in new york right who mm-hmm. um had that chokehold put on him yes and was yelling i can't breathe and literally the same words come out of george floyd's mouth mm-hmm. with all these people standing around the police like begging for relief for this guy and you know we've learned there's always gonna be people saying you shouldn't comment about things you weren't there you don't know mm-hmm. um you know who who knows the perspective of the police but for crying out loud here's another i mean the, the they suspect him of forging a 20 dollars bill to pay for something inside mm-hmm. and it feels like the force was not equal to the incident here and ultimately uh it cost him his life and we're not going to dive into the depths you know sometimes we've we've had guests on who are members of uh, the african-american community who process this in a different way than the the three of us do or Mm -hmm. or many of the people at our campus do but um it's still a tragedy nonetheless still something that makes our heart grieve still something that it's almost like why again how many more times? Um, and I'm just curious how you guys are processing um, this tragedy. I'm curious if you had any thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I've been struggling this these past, um, I don't know, 12 hours or so in thinking through, you know, you start to see the Instagram posts roll through or the Facebook posts come up of people commenting. And I, I think it's great that we need to have our voices heard that we are unhappy and that we are angry. Um, but I, I hesitate. I've been like frozen and not, Mm. I've, I've I've started and stopped several posts myself just thinking, what do I want to say about this? And I will write a couple words and then I just erase it and think this is so insufficient because I can't express that I'm angry but it doesn't come close to the anger that Mm -hmm. my black brothers and sisters are feeling, or I can say that I am tired of this, or I can't believe this has happened again. But I mean, I feel like I've just been awakened to this Mm. reality that black people have been treated so terribly for so long. That's just, you know what I'm saying? In these past couple of years, even since these videos have gone viral, this has been happening forever. Yeah. But we are just because things are being videotaped now becoming aware of it. So how can I say I'm so tired of this when an entire community has dealt with this for generations without any sort of recourse? Right. And I mean, I I think it's I'm not saying I I do feel those things. (laughs) I want to be very clear. I do feel angry. I do feel like this needs to end and we need to do 
more than speak up. Maybe that's where I come to is I want to do more than just posting a picture and saying I'm angry. Yeah. I want to do more than just um, saying I'm tired of this happening. Yeah. I, and and I, I know that there are actions that we can take. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I've been struggling through. I, I totally ag- agree with you, Kristen. I, I, for me, I struggle to know how to engage and what is my role because I feel very inadequate to engage with any of this. Firstly, because I feel like it is, uh, it's fairly straightforward that what is happening is wrong. Like, and, but beyond that, I, I don't know as a white man who has had it so incredibly easy his entire life. I, I feel that anything I say or have to add to the conversation is, is inadequate. Yeah. Do you, do you guys feel that? I, I feel like I would do it wrong and make yeah. it worse or, or say something incorrect, you know? I think that that is, you're hitting on something that I think so many people feel. And I, I, I think we have to accept that we do it wrong. Like Mm. we just have to enter into that with the understanding that I am going to say something that is stupid. I'm going to say something that's going to offend somebody. I, I can remember vividly having a conversation with Dexter and, you know, about these things and walking away from it and thinking, Mm. man, I cannot believe I said that that way. And Mm when you are entering into to these spaces with brothers and sisters in Christ, there's, there's grace, there is understanding, but the reality that we're going to offend one another shouldn't keep us from entering into that because reconciliation is hard. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask a question? Cause you brought up some lingo that I, I posted a very vanilla, maybe I use that phrase purposefully, uh, a very vanilla um, reflection upon um, Ahmad Arbery. That's that like the the comment section of my very plain post, just saying I'm sad about this. This is wrong. It sparked a tremendous amount of um, you know backlash in the comment section, and and it's hard to watch a a very somber post become um, hijacked and then become politicized. Yeah. I didn't want any of those things said on the post, but it right. was dialogue. And so that's fine. And I chose not to delete anything that was written there because I think people have a, you know, they don't have to ask my permission. They weren't necessarily mm-hmm. being uh, vulgar. But one of the comments was in response to someone who was talking about spaces. The, the comment was, what are these spaces that you're talking about? Who has these spaces? And Kristen, you just used that that phrase uh, when you talked about how we enter into these spaces with our black brothers and sisters. Mm. Could you maybe flesh that out for us? Because I think this is an important thing for us to understand. It's a metaphor, but what does that look like? And I think you've entered into these spaces very, um, very, you know, uh, tangibly over the past couple of years with with our black brothers and sisters here in Northwest Indiana. But what does that look like to see um, yourself in a space? with someone yeah well i'm not i'm not sure if i'm gonna answer this correctly dan i feel like 
I hope I, I get what you're saying here. But when, when I say that, I, I am thinking about two different things. I think you have to get out of your own uh, comfort zone um, as an individual. And so that means um, I started listening to podcasts that yeah. were created by people of color that when I listen to them, it feels like I don't understand. Like I'm, I am the minority voice here. So sure. I am listening to a group of people of color mm -hmm. talk about issues, engage in a way that sometimes I don't even understand the language they're using. Yeah. But that has so helped me to, to try and understand the perspective of a person of color entering into an all-white church, for example, mm -hmm. and coming yeah. to a place where they are now, um, they are the minority. I am, I am getting a tiny glimpse of what that feels like. And I'm gaining an understanding of, um, their perspective and understanding of, of not just their culture, but, but they're revealing to me my culture in yeah. ways that I haven't seen. Um, so when I think about that space as an individual podcast books, um, reading books that have forced me to, again, acknowledge my own culture to see the realities of, um, can we use hot terms? <laughs> the, <laughs> the realities of systemic racism in our country. Um, things that not, not in a um, antagonistic or a political way, but in just in a very historical um, real way of, of what's happening. And so entering into that space as me as an individual means opening my mind and getting myself education to help me see it in a different way. Entering yeah. into that space with somebody else is seeking out people who are different than me seeking yeah. out people of color and engaging in conversations that are not easy and saying, Hey, asking questions, yeah. not, not coming at this with, I, I have this all figured out, but coming yeah. into it saying, how can, how, how can I understand where you're coming from better? Maybe this, this question I, I love just saying, Hey, what's, what, what are you afraid of? I remember asking that question around the, um, the election thinking through now that that this president is in place, what what fears do you have moving forward? Because that reveals so much about where someone is coming from. And that is not, um, I mean, we, we that, that is the most human level, right? To just say mm -hmm. that you have fears and I have fears. And that reveals so much about our experiences. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers what you're no, asking, No, it Dan. absolutely does. I would, I would just take everything you just said, which was so good. And that's why I asked you to break it down. Cause I knew you, you could, you could help us put it in language. It's all, everything you says is you taking intention or intentionally seeking out relationship with others. And it's almost like you're sitting down at a table with someone and that's the space, right? There's that conversation right. relationship. There's some sort of topic that's defined. Um, right. And in this case, the space is, the pain in our African-American brothers and sisters in their community. And we don't, as, as you know, white brothers and sisters, we don't belong in that space the same way that right. someone who is, who is of the same community feels that pain the same way. We just feel it differently. And I think part of us entering the space, when we use that phrase, we're acknowledging the fact that I can't perfectly relate to everything that you're feeling, but I want to know. Right. And I care about you. And so I want to ask, and I don't want you to feel like there's this off limit 
um, topic that we're not going to go there. And I don't right. want you to feel like I have this off limit topic that you can't go there or that I'm unaware that there's a topic that we can't go there. Right. Just say like, Hey, we're gonna yeah. put all our cards on the table. I want to go there with you. That's what we call right. a space. And, and, and that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, Super. And, and that's not like a, that's not like a click and get your answer that takes time and is, and is messy and is difficult and is awkward. And we don't want to do that. And yes. I think that's why our Facebook posts just ring hollow. Right. Right. I mean, we can, we can show solidarity and we can show disappointment and we can show, you know, despondency and, and anger, but what do you do with that? That's your first, your first point, Kristen. Like, I just don't know. I've written this thing a couple of yeah. times, but I just, I want to, I want to have more than just a post. When Dexter's been on, we talked about more than just a hashtag. Right. Um, and so, Kristen, you named a couple of things, but what are, I, I don't know, I think if there are people listening along who maybe they want to see what it's like to understand an issue from someone else's perspective, what are some ways that they could go about doing that um, and not having to, you know, um, politicize their Facebook account to do it? You know, um, how, how could people take a step either into the space or even just as we're talking about the own struggles that we have dialoguing about these um, tragedies and, and our heartbreak about it. What are some suggestions that we have for um, people? Well, well, Kristen, I, I, like even as you think, I don't know, you've, you've already helped me in what you replied to previously. How easy is it now to sit at a table with people of color through a podcast like that's I've never even considered um you know reaching out and and engaging in the conversation and what a what a low uh commitment way to even begin uh reforming some of my ways of thinking Mm -hmm. yeah there I mean there's so many resources in that way do we have show notes for this podcast because we should because we, we could, well, notes. we could just uh, drop some of those suggestions in some place where people can um, refer back to it instead of, mm. you know, just having to write it down right now. On the I fly, guess the but... easy, the easy one for us to link to is a, a guy who's recently was on our Facebook Live um, oh, with yeah. our Help Us Study the Bible, Dr. Vince Bako. Dr. Bako is highly connected in the African American theologian and pastor world. And if I link to you, you can find a, a bunch of uh, quality, um, theologically driven, um, helpful uh, podcasts by people of color. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great thing to do. Um, books, there are so many books. This is this is a um, like I said in the past couple of years, all of a sudden this is this is coming to the surface, and and even specifically in the evangelical world, and I use that term because I have to. Um, <laughs> for descripting purposes, but, um, a lot of really great books that are out there and, and even coming at this, I mean, I think it's important for us to read books that are not just coming at it from a Christian perspective. I want to be clear about that. I think Mm -hmm. there's so much for us to learn, um, beyond just from the church, but there are, there are a lot of great authors that have written about, um, from a Christian perspective and how the church needs to be a part of this reconciling work that is so desperately needed in our country today. Um, Jamar Tisby's book, Color of Compromise, is one that I would put out there right now. There's a book called White Awake. I don't remember who wrote that, Dan. Daniel Hill. 
wrote it. Okay. He's a white dude who left Willow Creek to start an urban multicultural church in the Chicago South Side, and it totally failed. You can imagine why. <laughs> wow. And he just talks about his experience and what how how he um, awesome. waded through all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, aside from just educating yourself and, and um, listening to those things, one small step I would encourage us to take is to intentionally, you know, if we're talking about spaces and the pain that a, a community feels, the black church talk, and I, I use that term historic black church um, because that's what it's called. The black church has a way of dealing with cultural issues even hot button political issues in a way that white evangelicalism is very timid to do. Um, and so listening, finding, finding, you know, evangelical, and I use that term in the broad sense, not necessarily the capital E uh, politicized sense, but finding people who preach the gospel, Charlie dates uh, from progressive mm-hmm. Baptist church uh, in Chicago, South side HB Charles, uh, a guy who's been helpful for me down in uh, Shiloh, uh, Metropolitan Baptist uh, Church down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. He's a wonderful guy. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, I think about guys like Eric Mason, who's over in Philly. Um, Doug Logan is a guy in Camden, New Jersey. Just There's a ton of voices that you can listen to that all believe the gospel, but they come at it from a different perspective. And I mm-hmm. think for us as Christians to be listening to the voices of just not our own local community pastors. The reason I say that is because our community often represents a small slice of the larger global community. And if we're only getting our, um, you know, our, our cultural understanding and maybe even some of our um, biblical intake from one small cultural slice, we'll read the Bible too narrowly. Scott, you and I talked about this on the uh, Help Me Study the Bible on yeah. Tuesday night. When we talk about application, we don't want to just be in our own little vein and miss the wider context. And sometimes it takes us getting outside of our comfort zone to say, hey, this person's not like me. This person, you know, sees things differently this way. I think that's what made Ravi Zacharias so interesting mm-hmm. to so many people is that he was not necessarily the classic, um, you know, he was a very brilliant uh, Indian man. And, yeah. and just he brought a different uh, perspective and different, um, flavor to, um, Christianity. And, and this is what we need as the body of Christ. We need, uh, different perspectives. I remember the phrase my grandpa used to say is that, you know, unity requires diversity. Mm. Unity without diversity is not unity. It's just uniformity. Mm. And so for us to be united in a John 16, 17 type of way, uh, you know, let us, let them be one as we are one. Jesus prayed that before he died. It requires us being able to say, hey, you know what? Where I see pain in a different place, in a different people, I want to enter into that pain because ultimately at the cross, we are the people of God. Yeah. And so I think those would be just some small steps for us yeah. to take and for us to reflect on. Yeah. I think also it's okay for us to bring this up with our our friends who, you know, Kristen, you and I have, have different um uh, friends who come from different backgrounds than us that have given us permission to ask the dumb question, right? <laughs> I mean, we've preempted some text saying, hey, this might be totally ignorant, but can I ask you about something? Right. Those those conversations, I just haven't had one go poorly yet. Yeah. And it's because and that I doesn't think... mean you have to agree about everything either. You no, know no, what no, I'm saying? Sure. Like, I think this is, this is hard work and 
and it's not like a, I'm going to ask this dumb question and then you're going to come back with an answer that totally suits me. And mm. I'm totally on board with like that might come back then with a, an answer that is offensive to me or is, is confusing to me or I or don't challenging. quite. Right. Just straight and, up challenging. Yeah. Right. And that's a, that's something we have to be prepared for and toughen up a bit and feel like if, if we are going to engage in that work to be reconciled one to another, hmm. you, you can't be reconciled to people that you don't have animosity with. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like the, or being recon- you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, sorry. That might be the right word, but like differences. So yeah. that separate us mm-hmm. being reconciled to people who agree with me, look like me, have the same experiences as me. <laughs> that, that is not, a task that is yeah. just That's, hanging out and like yeah. so hanging out, yeah. we have to i think we have to want that work and we need to be willing to um to put it in to put in the work as well hmm. did you guys hear the dog barking just now okay no i didn't thank you guys for at least going there uh in this moment i know it's a deep a deep conversation. That's a deep thought. This is, this yeah. is a sad reality. And, um, you know, I think maybe just to, to sum that part up, our thoughts and our, um, our deep longing for justice to happen in this world, um, is evident in our reaction to this tragedy with George Floyd. And, um, yeah, I mean, we could spend more time talking about this, but at some point we need to, um, do more than talk. And we need to be mm-hmm. be more aware than just whatever uh, the talking points are on TV. And so there's been some good steps forward that we could take just to each one of us dig deeper. Kristen, you, you want to say one more thing about that? I just, I, I don't know if I'm going to, stepping out of line here to offer this as, but but if the, if the Lord is moving in you and, and you are digging into these things and reading books, like I would really suggest going to the Gary campus and in having some, some meaningful relationships that you can build there and, and be in a community where you are the minority. And I mean, even if it's engaging in a Bible study that they do in one of the evenings or reaching out to pastor Dexter or somebody else on staff, if you have questions that, you know, you're, you're looking around you and you're saying, I don't have those relationships. I guarantee you an email to pastor Dexter would, um, he would be more than happy to help and engage. And, um, yeah, I just think that that's, it's a unique place that we find ourselves. Um, and, and I think to pray that the Lord would bring more people of color to the Hobart Portage mm-hmm. campus. There are right. people of color within our community. And so, um, if we want to do this work, we need to commit to pray for diversity and pray that the Lord would allow us to do that work. Yeah. Dan, can I go visit the, uh, Gary campus on a Sunday? <laughs> uh yeah up, in, up until the moment right now you got to watch him on uh on facebook at oh, two o'clock yeah. on oh, a yeah. sunday hey but um, does everybody know they're doing that i feel like maybe we should just plug that right now because that's a great thing too well i think you got to be a member of the gary campus facebook group and i oh, say that you? not to discourage okay. you i say that to inform you right. so that if you're listening to this 
you go and you find them and you ask to, to join in. They'll see all the mutual friends. You can join yeah. them and you can catch that. But no, for sure, I think um, I think this you know there's no competition in the body of Christ ever. Right. What's good for their campus is good for our campus. What's yep. good for our campus is good for their campus. Mm-hmm. I had this just very small thought that you know where there are where there are more than two ideas, it's hard for people to agree. And I think this is one of those moments where you have two backgrounds and it's hard mm-hmm. to get unity except for humility and maturity. Right. Um, and so I, I just really, I think Kristen, what you said is, is super wise, super wise. Well, on that note, um, we, uh, we, we need to transition. This is a hard transition. That's okay. We're pros here on churches now online. This is like our 21st <laughs> episode that we've done in this pandemic. Uh, can you believe that? Isn't that no. crazy? Wow. Uh, we're not even getting paid to do this thing. It's just something we're doing at, you know, nine o'clock on <laughs> an evening. Um, so, uh, we had a chance Scott, uh, and I sat down with Jeremy, uh, Cartagena, everyone who's listening to this from the Hobart community knows yeah. the dude they've, you know, He's know the best. Jeremy's yeah. out there kissing babies and puppies. Uh, <laughs> and so we had a chance to sit down with him and, uh, ask him some questions about what it's like to be, um, you know, a veterinarian during uh, a pandemic. It's fascinating. Some of the things that he's dealt with is it just blows my mind. Scott, it makes makes me feel like you and I don't work hard enough, even though I know that's not true. I know you've been, yeah, you've I been know. crushing it. Oof. But man, he's just making these things work. So I hope you guys will stick around a couple seconds. We're going to tune in to our conversation with Jeremy Cartagena. Hey, we love you all out there. Thanks for checking out uh, Churches Now Online. We'll see you next time. See ya. Well, we are uh, super glad that you are still listening, and we want to invite you into this conversation with Jeremy Cartagena. Jeremy is a uh, longtime attender at HP. Actually, is that true, Jeremy? I'm I'm not 100% sure how long you've been around. Long enough. How long you been around, Jeremy? Right. Pushing three or four years at the oh, HP campus. I, I feel like that constitutes been around long enough, right, Dan? <laughs> That's over half of the time that we've even been in totally, campus, of course. Totally. Yeah, he's old hat. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, Jeremy, as, as an old hat at HP, we are glad to have you <laughs> on here. If you didn't know, uh, Jeremy Cartagena is a veterinarian at the uh, Hobart Animal Clinic. Hobart Animal Clinic, right? On 130. Yep. And uh, he's yep. had some interesting times here with COVID, being um, a partial owner there, just having to change how things work. And uh, we just wanted to kind of pick your brain, Jeremy, as um, an institution here with the church that is set to reopen. You guys have been open this whole time, correct? Yes, we have. We and sure have. Uh, I- I'm sure the beginning stages of this was it was kind of difficult for you guys to, to manage people. Yeah, there, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of fear and unknowns and, uh, uh, as veterinarians through vet school, we actually have a little bit of training in public health and safety. Wow. 
And so, you know, we, we kind of fell back on some of our training we had in school. So that's helped a little oh, bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man- managing the people, we were able to, you know, kind of share what we know and what we had heard and what we'd researched and, and we were able to ease our staff's minds a little bit, but it's, uh, it's definitely had an effect on, on how things function. Yeah, I can work. imagine. So, so what are some of the differences? So say I've got a sick dog, right? I don't have uh, a dog anymore. <laughs> the listeners of the podcast have been on that, that journey. Did they, they took it they away did, from you? Well, yes. Actually, Jeremy was, right. was instrumental in helping <laughs> us get the dog back. But uh, so Jeremy, let's just hypothetically say that I had a dog <laughs> And it was, it was sick. How, how would things be different at your clinic now? Sure. So, so at, at Hobart Animal Clinic, we're a, we're a walk-in veterinary clinic. So um, I guess back in the day, you could just come in whenever you wanted, come up to the front desk and give them your pet's name and who you were, and, and then you'd be seen. But things have changed with the COVID. And so we've got uh, – We've got staff designated. We just call them runners at work because um, <laughs> that's basically what yeah. they're doing. They're, they're running all day long. Um, so we've got two to three people watching the parking lot. Uh, really important for our clinic is being a walk-in clinic is, you know, we got to keep people in order and, and take them in the order mm-hmm. they come. Um, you know, because we don't want someone that's been there waiting for 15 minutes to be seen after someone that just oh, pulled yeah. up. And so um, so we do our best to, to keep the the – car number entries in the parking lot in order uh for numerical order for when they're seen and so we have people coming out and getting the information or they hand them a form to fill out and then once that's done we bring it in and put it in the computer system and then uh, a couple days ago you know it's been tough we've been using uh, post-it notes putting on people's uh windows and stuff to to let us know you know let staff Mm -hmm. know that they've already been checked in but uh, Amazon's been good to us and we were able to order a bunch of, uh, orange, like soccer practice cones. So we've been putting those on top of the cars once they're oh, checked nice. in. Um, innovation so, at its finest so, right so there. After, so, so then, at, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess I, I would say that, you know, we're thankful that our clients have for the most part been really understanding because, because that's really the easy part for our staff. Uh, we're just blessed with the, the staff we have. I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. So, so after they're checked in, um, then one of our veterinary assistants comes out, gets a history, um, puts the dog on a leash or the cat in the carrier and brings it in the building. And then, uh, you know, we, we go over it with the staff and do our exam. And then, um, we'll either make a phone call to the owner or head out to the parking lot and talk to him about what we found and ask him some more questions and talk about, you know, what tests we need, we think we need to run and treatments we think we need to do if any. Um, and then we go back in the building yeah. and get that done and then take that back out. And, and, and that's, that's pretty much how, how it's, it's a, how it's been flowing. And it's been flowing. It's a, yeah. Nice, it sounds actually. a, sounds a little bit more complicated than it used to be. Right. With somebody just being able to walk in the building. <laughs> oh, yeah. most definitely. Have, most definitely. And, and, oh, I was just going to oh, say, go it's, it sounds like, uh, one of those old school, uh, like drive-in restaurants where people would be on, like your waitresses were on rollerblades. <laughs> Have you stuck people on rollerblades yeah. yet? Yeah. It, it's funny. We know, you know, we've been talking about it. We've been telling people we're kind of running it like yes, a Sonic. Yes, it is a Sonic. You're right. <laughs> the, the, you know, the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's what we've been kind of that's been the running joke about that but uh no we haven't we haven't resorted to rollerblades yet because i don't think our insurance <laughs> would be too crazy yeah i'm with sure that. i'm sure <laughs> jeremy I'm, I'm curious if anybody's brought their dog or their cat in asking or insisting for them to get a covid test oh. have you had anybody asking for that you know we 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 have had people ask if dogs and cats can get it um what's the thanks. answer <laughs> so so Right. Yeah, I'm asking for yes. a friend. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So there's been a couple reported cases that they that dogs and cats may have gotten it, at least Whoa. to the best of my knowledge. Um, I'm sure you know most people have heard about stuff on the news with I think it was either tigers or lions or something. I think it was a couple tigers. Yeah, we and, watched that documentary already. <laughs> yeah, Tiger King. So, the d- <laughs> documentary. Yeah, what, that was my illusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flying Sorry. fast and loose there with the documentary. Okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but really, it's a big unknown. What we're what our uh, our veterinary medical association is has been telling us is they can't get it. It would be highly unlikely for mm-hmm. that to happen. So, you know, and, and we're, we're restricted. So there is a test for it. Um, since those positive cases and those big cats came out, um, there is a huh. test, that, but there's a very specific protocol um, for us to, to do a test on yeah. an animal. Like the owner has to be positive or the pet has to have been around. And then we have to call our uh, state veterinarian that oversees um, um, infectious diseases oh, wow. that that go from pets to people. So there's a big process in, in being able to to do that. You can't just really just send it out. <laughs> I think so. that's one of the things of this pandemic that's most surprising to me is understanding the depths of levels of positions in our state mm. government. Did you just say we have a state veterinarian? Yeah, yeah. So uh, who, knew? who knew? I did not. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a uh, for. So in so seventy five percent of the new emerging diseases for humans actually come from animals, and so sure. you know that, that that's I mentioned before that um, a lot of our training is in public health and safety, and that's why. And so you know, and a lot of it comes from um, like livestock, large animals, um, and and small ruminants like uh, goats and mm. sheep and stuff. And there's a, there's a ton of uh, federal and state regulations on the transport of animals. You know, you can't really transport sick right. animals. And that's where a lot of the regulatory medicine comes in through the, through the government. But there is, a, there is a state veterinarian that oversees all the other veterinary branches um, in the state and in, in the uh, in actually the United States. Uh, you have to be like accredited to give a rabies vaccination and sign health certificates wow. for, for transport over state lines and stuff. So, so is, it is, it's pretty, it, there's a, it's an so intricate So is there level. like a, so there's a surgeon general, right? Is there like a veterinary general for the, for the United States? Yeah, it's, it's kind of And do you aspire like that? to that position, that Jeremy? This is the Absolutely. real question. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, no, I'm a community guy. I'm just half serving <laughs> and the surrounding yeah. town. So, <laughs> well, Jeremy, we know uh, that you are a veterinarian, but you know, beyond that, I think you are also very involved. Probably one of the most involved people I have seen in uh, the city of, <laughs> of Hobart. If you're ever out with Jeremy, uh, getting anywhere it takes twice as long because he knows everybody in the town. I'm not even kidding. This is true. 
This, this is, is true. true. But uh, <laughs> Jeremy, I know you do a lot of stuff. I know uh, you help with the Hobart soccer team uh, as an assistant coach, and uh, you've had quite just a uh, a journey in this whole COVID thing. Your wife had a baby not too long ago. Um, you have been uh, busy the last few months, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. Uh... The, the, a lot has happened since the beginning of the year. So, um, yeah, we, we, our daughter is, uh, our, our youngest daughter now is six weeks old and we've got a three-year-old at home too. And so, um, I, I will say going to the hospital and going through the, the labor and delivery process was, was completely yeah, interesting. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, we've so, had the we've had the mom's perspective on this podcast already. Thank you to Bethany Dubach for yes. sharing her her thoughts, but we haven't gotten like the dad perspective. I think um, so. I, I will say I felt like I was kind of in in jail, right? <laughs> so like we, <laughs> but it's but it's awesome. The protocols we were we went to St. Mary's and Holbrook, and the protocol was just. I mean, they I, I, props to them because I think they're doing the best that they can with with yeah, the people. So we, um, we got checked in, they took our temperature when we came in, all was good. We went straight to the, you know, to the, the floor we needed to. And, uh, they had told us ahead of time, like when you come in, bring everything you come, you need, because <laughs> once you're in the room, you got to stay, you can't leave. If you leave, like you can't come back. And so, you know, selfishly thinking like that kind of yeah. stinks, but the truth is like, they're not doing it to, to be, you know, jerks or upset anybody they're doing it to to keep mm -hmm. people safe and so um they 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 made sure to provide food for you know katie and mm -hmm. me um so we both got to order their food and they took really good care of oh. us so uh and then after 24 hours all was well and you know usually uh at least with our first daughter it seemed like the the routine was to stay for um two days forever it feels home. like forever <laughs> yeah yeah so, but after 24 hours, they were really trying to get everybody oh, out wow. of there. And right. so, so that was good. And, and we appreciated that. And, and I know Katie, Katie really appreciated that too. So I, uh, it was an, oh, I, I was just going to say, I know, I know there are a lot of people out there, um, uh, soon to be fathers that I've talked to who are frustrated with not being able to participate in some of the, um, things at the hospital, you know, uh, and, I guess I get that. I guess I get that. But I, I appreciate your perspective, Jeremy, just in that they're doing what they can. And they're they're not doing it to be mean, but they are doing it to protect not only the other people in the hospital, but uh, people outside as well. I, I think that's just a hard, hard place to be. Oh, certainly. You know, and, and, and like I said, I, I, that no one's doing it to upset anyone and and same with where i work and at menards when you when you go in there and have to wear a face mask it's uh, all these strict regulations or, or not to to be jerks it's yeah. just trying to keep me and you and the you know the cashier and and everyone safe yeah. you know everyone and it goes beyond just the people that are there you can take this stuff home to you know your parents mm -hmm. or your grandparents or your aunts or uncles or children it's just it's it's nice to know that certain places are are willing to take the heat of making the tough calls to to yeah. put some restrictions on so totally 
It's also good to know that your cat can't yes. get it unless it's a really big cat. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Only the big ones. <laughs> yeah, only the big ones. Jeremy, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, you just got alluded to your future status as a mayor, um, which is, which is <laughs> no, great. But I, I really, <laughs> veterinary general of Hobart. Yeah. Um, no, man, if you could, I mean, I think you, you see things from many different angles and from def- different relationships that you have. And if you could just speak to the people of our community about one thing that you wish um, you know, maybe you have a perspective that, that maybe not everybody else sees or just a, a, a lesson or an encouragement that would help us out in this time. What would you want to tell people? Oh, man, I don't know that I've ever been asked that question before. Well, with well, you're getting the hard hitting questions. Yeah, churches and now with our online. massive audience, you know, I better be well versed. Yeah. In- <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no. This is- right. No, for sure. This is that's a good question. I guess the the biggest thing is um, I've kind of seen both sides. You know, I've been to the hospitals in different places where there's restrictions and, and we're, we've put, you know, we've completely changed the flow of things, how we handle our work and our, our veterinary clinic. A um, lot of, lot of personal lessons for myself um, in um, realizing how much I took for granted. Uh, you know, like my dad works at a hospital. I haven't, I haven't, really gone to see my dad just because I'm worried and he's worried about passing stuff around. So sure. I guess the, the, the biggest thing that I've learned is self-awareness. Um, and, and that I've taken a, a lot of things for granted that I, I didn't even realize mm-hmm. I did. And, and so that doesn't answer your question. So taking that a step further, um, I guess, uh, you know, stepping outside this whole COVID box um, and, and looking down upon everything that's going on, uh, the, way I, the way I perceive these restrictions that, that are going on is um, only because people really care about other people. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, no one's doing it to, to be jerks. Everyone's doing it because they care. And so I guess my biggest thing would be um, you really see people helping people people out um and, and people uh, one thing that i appreciate is is when people have patience with me and and our staff and our our place at work and that's that's been an encouragement and a lesson to me to see you know people have waited at our clinic a little bit longer than normal and and it's been hot out or it's been raining out and and that's something that i've really appreciated so the i guess the thing that i i would i would say is you know as a community let's just learn to love one another and be patient with one another yeah. and, and learn about one another, yeah. you know, um, th- there's always good things that come out of trials. I truly believe that. And, and I think, I think that's, that's one of them is hopefully, you know, people are learning to care more about one another and appreciate the, the time that the quality time we get to spend with one another. And, and hopefully this, this passes soon and we'll be back to normal. But until then, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Just learn to be patient with one another and, and we'll get through yeah. it together. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that perspective, Jeremy, uh, because you guys, you know, you have been open during these last couple of months. The Hobart Portage building has, has been closed, but you know, June 7th, we're coming up here to, to reopen our first services. And uh, I, I <laughs> think that, you know, pursuing that mindset as brothers and, and sisters in Christ, uh, our highest, uh, you know, ethic here right now 
is that patience and, and, and love. Um, and I hope, I hope that is, is the case at, at church. Uh, you know, we might need some, some extra patience with us and it's gonna be a little weird wearing the mask, um, for the whole service, but we're excited to, to get back together with people. And, um, you know, Jeremy, I used to see you all the time at, at Hobart soccer practices, and <laughs> small group, and we haven't seen each other in forever. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back to seeing people, even though there's going to be masks. <laughs> <laughs> what's that i said i said i'm looking forward to getting back to to seeing people even though there there might be masks on (laughs) yes for sure for sure no i you know i I, it's just it's just nuts it's just nuts we've been like you said we've been open at the clinic for the whole time and and we are a 24-hour emergency clinic and that's that's a big part of the reason so you know pets are still you know pets still get sick during covid and not with covid but other stuff and we uh we've had a lot of high risk uh employees mm. that that um you know when all this started we, we kind of talked to our staff that if if your family's high risk or you're high risk and you're not comfortable like it's okay if you want to take some time off your job's still going to be there and we're still going to be there for you because we're a family but um you know a lot of people took us up on that offer which for us it's their, their safety is most important mm-hmm. to us um and so we've, we've been kind of trucking through it. We, we've been, gosh, we've been seeing on average uh, uh, about 215 people mm. a day wow. at the clinic. So, oh. you know, we are, uh, we've been Those busy. are crazy uh, numbers. It, it's, it has been crazy numbers with, with the stat. We're about, we've been about, we got some people back uh, this week and last week, but we've been at about a uh, third to a half of our normal functioning wow. staff. And so, strapped. I mean, I, like I said, everyone's just been kind of coming together, and, and it's just been so humbling yeah. watching watching all that happen. So, and I guess to add to the community question, I don't know. I, my my favorite verse is the Proverbs. Uh, I think it's three five chapter three three to five verse. That, you know, uh, I'm gonna mess it up now because I'm on the spot. But trust me. Yeah, Lord. whenever there's a microphone, it gets harder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, trust the Lord with all your heart and acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make straight your paths. I'm sure I'm messing that up, but gosh, what a, oh, what, a got you. To, what a verse to cling to during something like this. Cause I mean, it's, what else can yeah. you do? You know? Right. Right. There's, you know, band together yeah. and, and trust that the Lord's in it for you. And, and in the midst of uncertainty, right. There's been so much uncertainty in this, but I, yeah, I really appreciate that, that perspective that at the end of the day, God knows what he's doing. And, uh, we are called to love and be patient in in the midst of it, and uh, I I hope that is the the case moving forward in the next couple of weeks. Even though we're we're doing different things at HP, we're excited to see everybody, and uh, we are super glad to have Jeremy Cartagena on this call with us today. Jeremy, thanks for being with us. Yep, thanks for yeah, having me, guys. You, thanks, Jeremy. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Church is Now Online podcast. For more resources from Bethel Church, head to BethelWeb.org, where you can stream services, give online, and find ways to impact our community. To connect with the HP campus, the best way to do that is on Facebook. Join our group by searching Bethel Church-Hobert Portage. If you enjoyed this content and want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you found this content. And it helps us if you rate and review. It just makes it easier for others to find us online. 
Churches Now Online is produced by the team at Bethel Hobart Portage. Christina Soderquist, Daniel Asher, Scott Irwin, and myself, Dan Jacobson. Thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, this podcast is to be continued.